ladies, gentlemen, pimps in between, welcome one and welcome all to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza. It's episode 129. Um, Alfie just said that in the chat. We have a little countdown here on Zencaster that we used to record, and it was at like one, and I was like, it's at 1.30, right? And then it started recording. I was like, ah, shit. So, yeah, 129 it is. So, folks, that's the that's that's the one. This is the Zinchenko Sode, as you see if you're listening. Um, I know Alfie's probably going to name it something different on the old YouTube because it's got to be uh, different. I don't know. He's the SEO king. He's the, the Mac Daddy of that stuff, the expert. Um, as you could see and as you could probably hear, as I've just mentioned his name, I'm joined. Um, exclusively by the bumptious Brighton boy, who's also the lovely London local lad, who I don't, honestly, I, I have no clue where he is right now. He's in some big town in England. And yeah, he's here and he's, he's ready to rock. Alfie, what's going on, my dude? I'm in Brighton. Um, we saying, lads? I'm decent, I'm decent. Gotta say that. Um, yeah, I'm in Brighton because I went to the, uh, the uh, quarterfinal between England and Spain uh, in the Women's Euro 2022 yesterday which was brilliant um and yeah it was great uh what else was i gonna say yeah uh rob is on holiday um i actually don't oh he's, he's gone to the south of france um with some uni mates it's like his fourth holiday already this summer this guy is loaded um uh and dan and mac is absolutely nowhere to be seen i have absolutely no idea what that that Donny is. Um, I know he was in Baltimore last week for the Everton game. Uh, or this week, was it? Whatever. So so he is probably dead. He may be, yeah. Um, I've heard from yourself, Danny, and from other Americans, it's very dangerous. I know James said something like that on the Arsecast. He asked family members where to go in Baltimore, and they said, stay in your hotel. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was a really good night yesterday, actually. Um I mean, obviously, it was probably a bit more spectacular for yourself. But for me, I went to the England-Spain game, which was brilliant. Um, it's got a brilliant winner and extra time. My third game at the Amex. Um, and England reached the semi-final. It was a great atmosphere. Well done to the Lionesses. Um, and then I was off to the pub in Brighton. Um, and the delay in kickoff allowed, allowed me to stay longer at the pub and then it delayed so much, but then I thought it was starting a bit later than it was, and then it, the game started. So I ended up sort of missing the half, first half, first half, and sort of like the last five, ten minutes of the first half. But yeah, Danny, obviously you were there. Big occasion for yourself. Yeah, tell me about it. Really fun, man. Um, so it's it's in Orlando, and I, I'm in Tampa, so I'm about an hour and a half out from Orlando. So of course, I uh, had to head out there. Went out with my. Um, with my dad and my brother, and we're a, we're a bit skint for cash right now, myself included, especially. So we decided to book tickets in the um, Orlando City section. Uh, here's a clinker. This is kind of weird for you. Um, no red allowed in the Orlando supporter section, despite the fact that it's a friendly. Two rows behind me, I've got a guy in a blue Arsenal shirt. Now. Americans know so little about soccer, Alfie, or football, or whatever you want to call it. That, football, that's why I want to yeah. call it. We'll ca- I, I'm going to call it soccer just to pay homage to my uh, American bros and sisses uh, today. But, um, yeah, she walks right past this dude with the blue arsenal kit. 
and over to a guy with, I believe it was a red flamingo kit. <laughs> and she's like, you can't wear that here. And he, I felt so bad for this poor little family. They were, you know, I, I think it was Brazilian or Portuguese or some something like that. So they didn't speak the language very well. And they were very confused as to because they're like, dude, this is not Arsenal, you fucking idiot. Um, but basically, they forced the little whippersnapper, the little 10-year-old kid, to change his shirt despite it being like a Flam- Flamengo or some other Brazilian side. So that was that was silly. But anyway, let me give you the lead up to the to the game, the lowdown. Um, so we get up Wait, there. So, so he had to take his shirt off. Yes, they made him change what? his shirt in a friendly. It was the craziest do ex- thing. Do they expect some like mad hooligan Green Street stuff between the Floridian Ultra Arsenal fans and the Orlando Ultras or something? <laughs> I, I genuinely don't understand. It was probably you. We all have met people like that in professions that take it way too seriously and don't need to. And I would I, understand it if it was an Arsenal Tottenham North London derby and there were people walking into the Spurs end with Arsenal shirts and it'd be like, okay, that's a bit dangerous, but. Or I could start fights, but come on. Orlando, Arsenal right. in a pre-season friendly. But as far as I'm aware, Arsenal and Everton fans were mixed in uh, Baltimore. And, you know, that's there's way more of a rivalry there. Honestly, a, a ton of Orlando City supporters that I know support Arsenal. So it's just very strange. But anyhow, that, that just I just thought of it now and I don't want to lose it. Let me let me give you the build up. You know, we get there, we actually, we go to a little place called Disney Springs, which is just like a bunch of shops. It's like a free kind of place. Um, And we went there because there's a world soccer shop there. They sell all the kits and stuff. I walk in there. There's five other gooners in there. I'm like, hell yeah, let's get it. You know, walk in there. There is not a single arsenal kit in this damn establishment. I'm like, all right, true. Because I'm looking to buy this beauty, which as you can see, I did eventually end up finding it. But anyway, we're there for a good three and a half hours or so in that scorching heat that you've heard everybody complaining so much about. It's real, man. Let's not get it. I know it's crazy in London right now, but Florida's. We invented that shit. All right, let's let's. At be least real. you have a uh, aircon. That's what it is. We got the air conditioning, so you get a weird little, you know, or not weird little. You get a pleasant little relief from it. So I guess that is the main difference. Um, anyway, though, we leave Disney Springs. We get. I'm a big fan. In my experience, Alfie, you're not like this. Um, you, you like being late. Um, I'm a big fan of being very early to, to matches. I like the pregame kind of vibes. And in America, we've got a big tailgating culture sort of thing here. I love that to shit. To be fair, I was an hour early to the England-Spain game yesterday. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's changing. He's growing up. We love that. Fair play, Alfie. Kudos to you. Um, but get this. There's like nothing going on outside besides some stuff in the pubs that I kind of, I was like a little bit after that. So I kind of missed that outside the ground. There's really nothing going on. I was quite surprised, but far away in pubs and stuff there was to be fair. And I saw it after I was like, dang, you should have went. It looked pretty fun. Um, But then Florida, Florida, man. And the lightning came, the rains get, we're used to the rains and lightning really. So um, everybody at home that was like, what the hell is going on, man? It's delayed like an hour. It's like, yeah, dude, this shit just happens all the time. Uh, friendly in July in Florida is really silly because it's just the tropics and the summer thunderstorms go crazy. Um, so yeah, oh, it was gross. 
we were like all packed into the the inner ring of Exploria and it's not a huge stadium, you know, it's like a 20,000 seater. Or so, so it was like a traffic jam pretty much. And you're just kind of like walking really slow. You know, when you walk so slow that your feet like go next to each other when you walk, you know what I'm saying? So it was, that was pretty torturous. Then we eventually camped out by the bathroom, waited for like 40 minutes. Game finally started. We get in there right beforehand though. I buy this beauty uh, 70 pounds, which is 95 US dollars. That is crazy. Um, I was like, oh, 70 pounds. Nice, dude. This is uh, not too bad of a deal. I've spent way more than that, kids. Then I get the fucking thing. It's 95 bucks. Um, but yeah, anyhow, um, game starts. Exciting stuff, Alfie. Now, that's enough about me. Um, I'll just say, I'll just leave you with this. I didn't get home till about one in the morning. Uh, my dad didn't get home till like two. And he worked at 3 a.m. He didn't go to sleep. He just went straight to work at 3 a.m. Man refused to call out. We're machines, us Fintons. Shout out to Big Dan. And uh, yeah, but anyway, about the game. Um, Alfie, honestly, I'll tell you, you're quite lucky that you missed the first half because I got to say, Arsenal were pretty shocking. Um, and, I, and I know you didn't see it, but I mean, does this sort of like just really double down on the fact that the likes of maybe you know, Amari, an Ainsley Maitland-Niles, a Nico Pepe in particular, who was absolutely terrible. And then Cedric, of course, was good, as, as good as always. Um, does this just sort of double down on the fact that these guys just are not, they're not it. And, and we need to really try to move them on before the end of the window. Yeah. Um, I just want to say I will also be copying that, that Arsenal show when I go to Sevilla next week um, and the Emirates Cup and when my bank account looks a bit more healthy um, because 70 pounds is a lot um, yeah uh, it does and I think there's been a bit of a recurring theme thus far in the in the preseason friendly games um, it's kind of inevitable when you look at the teams we put out but one half we are you know pretty good we have the players out there that we actually want to be at the club and starting games next season. And then the other half, we have a lot of the players who, let's face it, are going to be out the door, should be out the door come um, the 1st of September. And the the team that plays with full of the, the likely departures is pretty terrible and extremely dysfunctional. And it sort of looks like we're just sort of putting them out to, because we don't want to play our, the players who want to play for full 90 minutes at this moment. Um, I think... When we get to by the time we get to Sevilla, I think Chelsea will probably be similar. But by the time we get to Sevilla, we might see sort of the first eleven or one of the close to the team that we want to see against Palace um, play sort of seventy minutes before we start changing it. Um, but yeah, that has been a recurring theme so far. Um, Nuremberg first half dreadful, second half very good. Uh, Everton first half very good, second half dreadful. This game obviously the second half. And I watched that second half thinking Orlando are bad. I'm sorry, Daniel. Um, but I mean, not that they're bad. I mean, they might be good in MLS, but in comparison to um, us, you know, they're significantly a level below. Um, and it was very comfortable for us. And from what I heard in that first half, it was just very dis- dysfunctional. Nico Pepe, as you said, a lot of people complaining about him. I just think at this point, it's so clear that that's done and dusted. He's going to be out the door. Um, there's clearly, I think we've lost the player a little bit, and he's sort of, I wouldn't say given up, but he's 
he's resigned to the idea, or he probably wants to leave quite desperately and the club want him to leave and it's just about finding a suitor um, who will pay his wages and maybe pay us a bit of a transfer fee, hopefully. And other players, I saw a lot of discourse about Ainsley Miller Niles and how people seem particularly frustrated with him, maybe attitude issue, maybe he's another player we might have lost at this point. Um, and people saying, I, I would have loved to have seen someone like Charlie Bettino in his place on this tour. Um, and yeah, it just sounded dis dysfunctional, like we didn't create much. We looked exposed with Holding and Mari trying to play a high line. The last time we saw that partnership was against Chelsea when Lukaku absolutely bullied Mari. And that is not a partnership you want to see in the future. I'm very, very much happy with Holding being our fourth choice centre-back. But him and Mari as a, as a partnership is not one. Um, and yeah... It, it didn't sound like a particularly enjoyable first half from what I've seen. I've seen the highlights, um, of which there was very few. Uh, obviously, the two goals, and then Ketty had a shot screwed wide. I think uh, Orlando had a decent other chance um, where Ramsdale made a decent save. Yeah, just before we go talk about like the, the second half and goals and stuff, I wanted to ask you, um, you spoke about the day. How did you feel? I know you... We're sat in the Orlando end, but how did you sort of? How was it? How was the experience of like being in, on an Arsenal match day at the game and stuff? You haven't experienced it for a few years now. It's only your third game ever, um, and yeah, mixing with Arsenal fans, seeing them in person. How was that? Amazing, man. I mean, third game, Arsenal win, win, win. Every time I've seen them in the flesh, I'm the good luck charm, folks. Um, so, in other words, cash at me money, uh, money sign Daniel Fenton, and I can get out to every Arsenal game, all right? Uh, no, but in all seriousness, it was great, man, to see to see all the Arsenal faithful. I mean, it's, it's awesome to go to London and to be in the genuine, you know, Emirates and in the real Arsenal culture, but at the same time, you can't help but feel like a bit of an outsider, you know? And I know how Americans are sort of... Not, Brits and Americans don't hate each other, but we give each other a lot of shit. You know, we're like, I'm, we're like your little brother, you know, and everything we do to you guys is extremely cringy and stuff. And like, as an American, I think when you go to London, you're overly aware of that. And you're just like, I just have to act as reserved and sort of un-American as possible. But in this sort of, you know, um, atmosphere, it's still a very American sort of thing so you feel comfortable in it and despite the americanness great word um it's still very arsenal through and through and it was amazing it was just we're driving through downtown orlando to look for parking and alfie i don't see a single orlando city shirt it's arsenal everywhere the exploria stadium was completely dominated by gooners it was amazing i mean truly we have so many arsenal fans here in the united states that this was long overdue uh, I, I know they go to America, but they haven't come to Florida in a while. We have a ton, a ton of Gooners here. And it was just, it was so cool to see them basically in my own backyard, you know. Um, so it was an amazing experience. I talked to you guys about this in the group chat too. Uh, we'll get into the general pattern of the game. And I'm going to talk about MLS a little bit too. And let me nerd out. Um, but just seeing the likes of Thomas Partey, um, uh, Bukayo Saka, you know, those are guys that when I went to London, Partey wasn't there and Saka was very much in the, you know, very, very, very early stages of his career. Uh, to see those two in particular, they're just 
utterly incredible players. But then it's the, the, the ones that get me even more are the ones that maybe you don't expect as much to just be so fucking good in person. Granted, Jaka. I just watched Jaka and I was like, this guy is crazy, dude. Eddie and Ketia, what a hard worker. I mean, incredible. So it was so cool to just see my boys in the flesh and yeah, really surreal moment. But I wanted to say this a little bit about the first half. Um, you know, I think we we could be frustrated with the, the, the performance and with our depth, you know, honestly being in some stages, Alfie, lower than MLS level. Pablo Mari and Rob Holding were being scorched by Orlando's line, uh, um, attack. And that's just, I'm sorry, that's inexcusable. I don't care, and I'm, I'm fully aware, but I still don't care that Orlando and all of the MLS teams are in the thick of their season, so they're going to be more fit. I fully understand that. But at the end of the day, you're at Arsenal, man, and you're getting paid probably 10 times what these Orlando players are getting paid, and they're fucking embarrassing you. That's just. I think, I think on holding a Mari though, they're clearly defenders who aren't suited to playing in a high line and this system. But we're not going to change our entire system just because of those for a preseason game. Um, and also, I, don't, I just don't care about Mari at this point. Like he's gone, or if he doesn't go, he was not going to play. So, and I think holding's fine when he's got other players beside him who are better and quicker. Yeah, I fully agree. absolutely fully agree. Um, so with, with them, you could almost like excuse it just because the tactics were just clearly not made for them. And like you said, don't adjust it for guys that are not going to play um, because we have to figure out our system going into the new season. This match really didn't matter. But still, I think the point still stands. You got to learn to adapt. If you know your weakness, adapt. Because Facundo Torres, who was playing up front and scored Orlando's goal, good finish, by the way. I've seen some people giving flack to Ramsdale. I think it's a pretty good goal. I gotta say, I think it's a pretty nice finish. Um, I thought that I saw some criticism for Ramsdale for that goal, but it felt, it felt a bit harsh to me. It was clearly yeah. unsighted, and it was well placed, and it was quite out of reach. I, Potentially, I, I, his positioning was it was slightly t- too far to the right, but I don't know. I think when you're to 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 overly simplify it because it's what I do when you're running towards one post and you fire it at that same post, I think it's always really difficult for a keeper because they always expect you to go to the far one. Um, and, and it was just a good finish, in my opinion. Um, but really, away from the defenders, Alfie, the, the, the guys that I just was ashamed by, really, in some ways, was Pepe. I mean, Pepe, I, I, I'll, I'll say this, Giamatino, um, who was playing at left back, is a pretty respected defender in MLS. He's pretty highly rated, and he's a decent little player. Um, but he ain't that good. You know, like, he's not good enough to completely nullify someone's threat completely. And I and he's, you know, that was just, that was just terrible, really. And then <laughs> you, you now let's let's move on to the, to the second half, I guess. By the way, Martinelli scored a very deflected goal. Um, apart from that, though, I got to say as well about Martinelli, um, very rusty. Looked, uh, looked, looked a bit rusty to me. He couldn't quite get the better of that uh, right-hand side of Orlando. To be fair, in Orlando's defense, literally, um, the defense on that side was just quite sharp as well. But, yeah, it looked a bit rusty. Looks like he needs some more minutes under his belt. But Pepe, no hope. And then Saka, Alfie, though, comes on in the second half within 20 seconds. 
humiliates the defender. And it's just like, that's the difference. There's the levels, you know? Yeah. Um, second half, I, I was impressed. One thing I did see online about the first half, I heard Sambi Lakonga looked uh, promising in, in some forward areas, which is what I want to see more of um, on the le- in the left eight position, because um, I think he can be a good option there. Um, second half, I mean, it was just, it, it was quite encouraging, I think. I think we were absolutely dominant. I know it's Orlando City, um, but it, it was just kind of similar to the Everton game, the second half against Nuremberg, really, really pressing high, winning the ball back very quickly, um, suffocating Orlando. Like, Orlando couldn't get into our half in the second half, and it was could be completely dominant, I thought. I mean, it was obvious when we brought on our better players that was going to happen. Um, Odegaard was uh, really, really good, I think. Some of his metronomic passing, the way he's gliding away from players, some of his through balls, uh, he loved it. You could tell he was just, he was loving it. Um, and he was loving the fact that he had two strikers who I think are on fire at the moment, whose movement in front of him is uh, is excellent. And it's <laughs> Odegaard's probably there like, oh shit, I finally got a striker ahead of me who, yes, they might come to the ball, at times and try and play off me, but they're also going to make runs in behind, um, which gives me the opportunity to show more sort of incisive through ball passing rather than sort of some progressive balls out wide, uh, you know, some more central verticality in his passing. Um, and I thought Jesus was really sharp again. Um, he didn't score, obviously, but he had a few decent opportunities. There was one where Odegaard played him through and I think he took the shot a bit late ended up being quite a tight angle. Uh, there was one where he would brilliantly burst past someone in the box uh, and tried to score at the near post. And Eddie got the goal. Um, I think he deserved. I thought he was really sharp again. And it looks like they're building a bit of a partnership. That could be something um, we see next season. I know he, we went to that back three again um, in this second half, which could be something we look to use at times next season when our first choice fullbacks aren't available. Obviously Tierney said uh, Tierney and Tobiasu weren't there. Zinchenko obviously wasn't available. So we went to that back three with when you have White, Saliba, Gabriel, it makes sense. Um I'm not necessarily convinced about our wing back options uh at this point because naturally it would be Cedric and Tavares, not Tomiasu or and maybe uh, Tierney. Um but not Tomiasu and Zinchenko as wing backs really. Um but it's working in these games and we're suffocating teams and we're looking sharp, which is exciting. And it's the way we're playing is is that suffocation of possession, uh, probing teams, not letting them get into our half. Um, and it's working. Um, how did you feel about that second half? And how, how did you feel about that back three in general as an option? The back three of... Uh, uh, who is it? Uh, White, Saliba, Gabriel, but also just White that Saliba. system in general. Um, I, well, I, I've never had an issue with the back three, personally, because there's this weird stigma around it that it's an inherently super defensive formation, but it doesn't have to be, especially when you have a guy who's as, as good at passing the ball as, you know, Ben White. And then Saliba's also very good at passing the ball, uh, too. I was really impressed by Saliba. And Gabriel. And, yeah, Gabriel, too. Gabriel's passing is underrated. People say it's it's bad but i think the guys you know next to him and saliba and white are just specialists whereas he's just good at it you know um name dropping interestingly the data 
last season said Gabrielle's passing was better than White's. Um, that might White's, be skewed because White's a little more adventurous though, right? Yeah, but White's ball carrying was much better and he would drive into midfield. Um, and I th- yeah, that may be also because White played some minutes at right back and also I think he gets pressed a bit more than Gabrielle. Um, on that right side, maybe because he has the perception he's a better passer, but I think Gabriel is definitely underrated. A hundred percent. And yeah, all those guys that we've just mentioned, really, really good in the flesh as well, too. Um, Saliba's fucking huge, man. That guy is enormous. And that's funny. You see Saliba walk off the bus. I, I got to see him walk off the bus. I got a police escort. That was crazy. I was like, that is some American shit, man. Bring him in with the cops, baby. Um, I see, you know, Saliba come off. He's massive. His, you know, head scraping the clouds. Tierney, short king. I stand. Good man. I thought the same thing about Arteta. Love that. Um, But anyhow, about the back three, I don't have a problem with it because I think they're all pretty different from one another too. So I think it could be a really interesting balance actually back there. Um, Not not the ideal because I think it's a four, three, three that we want to move forward with. And I think that's the position that gets the best out of us, but I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. Um, so yeah, the, the second half though, um, you said it, man, the, the, the golfing class was just apparent. Um, Orlando city well and truly parked the bus at one stage. I counted there's nine players in the box. They're just like, uh, just let's just chill, man. We got to play. Philadelphia Union, I believe it is, uh, this week, who are one of the best teams in the league. And they're just kind of like, let's cool it. If Arsenal score a few more goals, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. So the, the, the tempo of the game just totally changed. But I think that's good for us um, as, as, as Arsenal because it gives us an opportunity to kind of sort of come up with attacking, I don't want to say plays, but patterns, you know, that we know work. And then building chemistries between guys like Enketia and Jesus, who, like you said, clearly, you know, have something about them between the two. And, and that's really promising, I think. Um, yeah, Jesus' performance was tremendous, by the way, despite not scoring. But Enketia, rightful man of the match. I mean, that guy was busting his ass the, the entire game. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really fun. Um, these preseason matches, Alfie, aren't much to go by. Um, because especially in cases like, you know, yesterday, um, the, 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 I'll say it again, the golfing class is just really apparent. And Orlando City at the end of the day is about the ninth best team in MLS. So you're playing really close to a mid-table side. And well, they're, they're a bit higher because there's about 40 teams in MLS now. But I mean, you're, realistically, you're not even playing one of the best sides in MLS. And you are one of the best sides in the Premier League. So there's, it's, it's not, you know, great to, to use as a gauge, but I want to ask you this, Eddie and Ketia and this preseason and after getting this new contract and just after that resounding performance yesterday, do you think there's a lot of potential for him to be playing alongside uh, Gabriel Jesus up there? You ask me about the defense. Now I'm going to turn you and ask you about the attack. How about that? I think this links kind of to the defence in that question that I asked you about the 3-4-3 three, three, um, sort of option, or 3-5-2 it would be. And I think that is another benefit of it. You get to see a front two of Jesus and Keta, which 
from the early signs, and it's very early signs in preseason games, looks encouraging. Looks like they have some sort of uh, chemistry partnership going. Um, clearly, getting on well off the pitch with the interviews and the the celebrations as well. Um, and I don't think it will be the de facto formation um, or the the go to option to play that three in the back system. I don't think it's. I think obviously it's very clear we're going for the four three three which will mean most of the time they won't be playing together um, unless you move Jesus out wide, which could be an option. Um, but most of the time, I don't expect it to happen. But I do think it will be some, it's something... It's a system that Arteta clearly wants um, as a card to play late in games, perhaps. Or, as I said, if we're missing fullbacks, I think it's a, a system that Arteta wants to have available to him um, if he feels it's the right... Um, way to play in certain game states or whatever, um, which means I do think we may see it, particularly late in games, if you bring off fullbacks, uh, keep your three at the back and, you know, sort of use your wingers as wing backs um, to say, and then you can play the two strikers, just get as many goal threats on, on the pitch as possible. I do think we'll see that quite frequently next season. Um, and yeah, I'm like, excited for it because I think Nketiah's, uh looks really sharp. Um, he's probably our most informed attacking player alongside maybe Jesus. Those, if you, you're looking for three attacking players to start against Palace at the moment, I know you said Martinelli's a bit rusty, and I do think that will be the you know go-to front three with Jesus and Saka um, with Martinelli. But I do think at the moment Mart- uh, and Ketia looks like the sharper of him and Martinelli. So if you can fit them all in the team, then maybe you do that um, for the Palace game. Look, I, I think that you got to base your selection off of who's in the best form, even if that form does come in preseason. And, you know, there's absolutely a, a massive possibility that Martinelli can just really kind of get back into Martinelli form. And he's not been, I mean, he scored a goal. You know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, he's terribly rusty and everything. Just doesn't quite look himself yet. But yeah, I wouldn't be opposed at all to maybe, uh, you know, Saka on the left and Ketia down the middle and Jesus on the right, because we all know he can play there. Maybe it'd be unconventional to play Jesus on the wing and his first ever, you know, competitive start for the club. But we signed him because he's versatile and Crystal Palace is going to be a difficult game. So we got to play our best possible lineup. That's in the best possible form. We're going to talk about Zinchenko here in a minute. Um, I wanted, shoot, what was I going to talk about? Ah, Oh, oh, we got a name drop. Um, Reese Nelson, he scored the third goal. Um, it was cool to see Nelson get off the mark. Um, I gotta say, as a you know, as a little fanboy that I am, I wanted to see Jesus score. I won't lie. Um, and at that point, it was down at the end because you saw where I was sitting. I'm basically behind one goal, and I'm 97 years old, so it was all the way down there. I thought for a split second it may have been Jesus that scores. I was like, yeah. But then it turns out it was Reese Nelson. That's cool, too. It's a goal, so I'm happy about it. But Alfie, Saka, special. Yeah. Um, yeah, Saka looked really sharp again. Um, and I think we are getting closer to tying him down to that new contract, that new elusive contract that we were looking for. Um, and this little dink into to Nelson was really good. I think it was, it was a very nice move up until that point. I think it broke to us. Um and I think he slightly delayed and people thought, oh, that's gone. Uh, but then he came up with that brilliant little uh, chip into Nelson. I do think there was a moment where he went through on goal, Saka. 
where I was hoping for a little bit more ruthlessness. Um, and he sort of, I don't know, he sort of hesitated and then he ended up with quite a weak, tame, left-footed finish right in front of the keeper. It was like some sort of dink and the keeper just sort of palmed it out. I don't know. Um, but yeah, obviously he's special and hopefully we we get that contract done. Um, and yeah, I just think, as you were saying with that, that formation, that sort of weird blend could work if you have the back three. They give you the stability and they give you the deep passing that you need. And then you have the midfield three also. And then you have a, a left-sided player who's so, slightly more of a fullback, someone like Zinchenko or, or Kieran Tierney. Um, and then on the right, you just use Saka as sort of a right winger who maybe is a little bit, um, does a bit more defensive work than you'd normally have him as a right wing back, uh, as, as a right winger, sorry. And But then you have White on that side anyway, so it's not like you really need him doing loads. And then you just play the front two of Jesus and then Ketia. And you have that sort of two wing backs, but one of them is a lot more offensive. And then Jesus and Ketia with their movement and their willingness to get in channels will provide width anyway. I do think that's a really exciting potential system that we could see. It's like a slightly unconventional back three with the the way the wing backs operate. And yeah, I think we've covered the game pretty well. All we can do for pre-season. Um, should we talk about the new man that's coming in, Alexander? It is called the Zinchenko Sode, after all, so I think we should probably get into that considering it's been nearly 35 minutes. Um, we're not clickbaiting you folks. We are going to talk about him. Alfie, um, this is rare, man. This is really rare when a player's not announced, but it's just like pretty much, yeah, he's an Arsenal player. Pep Guardiola said something. Arteta's like, oh, he's very good, you know, and then he's just chilling out with Edu, taking selfies with the Arsenal faithful in Orlando. I mean, what a crazy, crazy signing. This one, Alfie, just got done so quickly. And that's probably my favorite part of the deal. It's just we were priced out of Lissandra Martinez. You know, Ajax wanted a ridiculous amount for him, frankly. What I think is a ridiculous amount. I, I like the player from what I've seen, but come on now. That's just crazy. Um, and we've spent about half the money to buy a, a, multi, a guy that's won the Premier League multiple times and he's Premier League proven. I'm really excited about this signing, Alfie. I'm sure and we're going to get into, you know, his positions and what his position will be. Um, but I really like it because much like Gabriel Jesus, he could cover a lot of bases that we need to have covered and what's going to be a really long season now that we're going to be in the Europa League. Yeah, uh, I'm delighted with this deal. I've said, I, I called it for ages. I said whilst we were in the pursuit of Lissandro Martinez, if the price for Martinez gets too high, we should go for Zinchenko, Zinchenko who we had rumours about obviously earlier in the summer. Me and Rob spoke about him in a video, I think. Um, just a really good signing. I think there are deals where we know the deals happen we're just waiting for the official announcement but you're right this this one is I mean the, both Arteta and um, Guardiola have confirmed it pretty much um, he was seen there was a video of him walking um, in the Arsenal training kit which Fabrizio tweeted um, and obviously he said he was basically at the stadium 
Um, so the deal's done. Um, there are still outlets trying to say he's going <laughs> to... saw an outlet saying he's going to uh, do a U-turn, which I'm like, he's literally done a medical. He's literally in the stadium taking pictures with Arsenal fans. Both managers have said it. I mean, what the fuck is that? Um, but yeah, what a signing, I think. Um, I think to get a really good understanding of the player, uh, I highly recommend, I know it's Patreon, so you have to pay for this. Um, it's behind a paywall. But Arsenal Vision did a scouting video of him, and I think you really do understand the, the strengths he'll bring. But also, he does have weaknesses, which are worth note- noting. I think defensively, there are question marks if he's going to play at left-back. And I know people say he's played at left-back for Manchester City um, for several years, and they've just won the title for the, what, the fourth time in five years or whatever. And yes, um, obviously he's capable of playing this role. He isn't a good one-on-one defender at all. I think if you look at, you watch him closely in that scouting video, they watch every single one-on-one he had in the last season. Um, and he got beat more times than he stopped the player quite a few more times. He's really like, he tries to win the ball quite quickly rather than, you know, you were a defender or you're a defender yourself or you played as a defender, I think, Daniel. You know, a lot of defending is not actually making any sort of action or intervention. It's sort of shielding the player, holding them up and making them sort of do nothing or go backwards. The old jockey is what it's called, yeah. Exactly. And he doesn't do that ever. He dives in. He And you're always told not to dive in. And sometimes it does come off and he wins the ball back and it can start a, a counter-press or counter-attack or just winning the ball back when the players think the other team think they're going to press or counter. Um, but sometimes it does leave you a bit exposed in the transition. It didn't really cost him too much at City because he was operating quite high up the pitch and he had, you know, Walker or Diaz or Laporte, all of them behind him. So he wasn't getting beat right at the end of the pitch in the dangerous zones. So it wasn't as um, critical. And I think that will be the case for Arsenal quite a lot, you know, be operating in that sort of inverted left-back role. So he won't be the last line of defence. And we'll have Gabriel on that side who can shepherd stuff out very good. He's brilliant physically. Um, So I'm not overly worried about that aspect, but I do think maybe when we come, if he is coming to be a left-back rather than a left-eight, I do think there will be games where Tierney will be the safer option in, against really sort of quick, tricky wingers. Games when we're going to dominate possession, I think you can afford to put him there. Um, but on the ball, he is, he's outstanding. His passing is brilliant. The way he gets, he'll get you us into the box, he'll get us into the final third. Um, he'll create chances from some of his, from some of his passing, crossing, um, really smart passes in between the lines. He's sort of, some people might think this is a bit of a weird comparison. He's sort this comparisons. he's comparative to Trent Alexander-Arnold in a way, in how progressive he is on the ball and how much of an excellent passer he is. I'm not saying he's at Alexander-Arnold's level because I think Alexander-Arnold is the most creative fullback to ever exist um, and the best passer from a fullback. But he's sort of, he's very, very good at it. Maybe not Alexander Arnold level, but he's not the best defensively. And Liverpool can live with it because he brings so much on the ball. And I think we will be able to live with it. But I think there will be moments where we may we may may get a bit frustrated with him uh, defensively. 
But I'm not too worried about it. And I'm delighted at the signing. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I, I fully expected you, Alfie, to come out and, and, you know, kind of curb all of our enthusiasm. So thank you for that. Um, no, but it's it's okay. No, we, we want to know what kind of player we're getting. I'm so happy. I'm just saying there are a few limitations to this game, which we... Sure. We shouldn't be surprised about next season, which I'm not too worried about, but I think there will be games where Kieran Tierney will, even if we'll lose something in his passing, um, Kieran Tierney will provide more defensive solidity. I'm not too concerned about that as well, and I am intrigued to watch that um, that scouting thing uh, that from, from the Arsenal vision because um, they make good stuff, and I'd like to learn a little bit more about the player. I just know the, I know he's very good at attacking um, for Ukraine and Manchester City, um, but yeah, apparently not that strong, you know, defensively. And, and you just can't really tell, like you said, because City operates so high up the pitch. Um, I, I will say about that, though, too, I think what is an interesting point, um, and in the modern game especially, and I'm not um, totally uh, like dogging on Tierney's kind of, you know, defensive abilities, because I think he's he's fine at them. But I think... In the in this new day and age, a lot of the times fullbacks are just not that great defensively. You know, I mean, they just offer you a lot more going forward and maybe defense. It's like they're good at going forward and good at defending and maybe not necessarily great at either apart from the extremes like an Alexander Arnold or like a Tomiyasu, you know, who are obviously polar opposites. So I'm, I wouldn't be too worried about that, especially seeing as Gabrielle, who I think is probably our best defending defender is going to be next to him, like you were saying. Um, I want to ask you this, though, Alfie. You're a Manchester City player. You've won a load of trophies. You had the best coach in the world. Um, But you've just seen one of your good friends and former teammates, Gabriel Jesus, move over to Arsenal. And now he's starting to establish himself as one of this big club superstars. It's just not quite at the level of Manchester City. But he maybe took a step down for his career to take a step forward. If you're Zinchenko, are you going to be looking over at your friend Jesus and being like, you know what? I'll have a slice of that cake too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, he's got four Premier League titles, medal, uh, winners medals in his back pocket. So, um, you know, it's not like he hasn't achieved a lot already. So it's, I think if he hadn't won anything at City, might, maybe these players would have been slightly more reluctant to move to Arsenal um, just because, you know, they probably have aspirations of winning Premier titles, but they've done that already. So, yeah, I think they'll they'll look at this move as sort of... Um, and there's, there's been a lot of narrative, obviously, amongst opposing fans saying Arsenal just signing rejects from the big clubs, which I think, as you wrote a piece about, you're not signing rejects, first of all. They, these are players who are very much good enough to play for Manchester City and played integral parts um, in Manchester City's title-winning seasons. Um, they both played huge amounts of games um, for Man City when they won the league. And I think it's a really clever recruitment strategy, as that piece outlined, uh, signing players who have been useful and very valued players and players that... the bigger clubs didn't want to lose but they had aspirations of becoming even more of an integral part and sort of more of a main man at at a club which meant they had to drop slightly below because they're not like the absolute standard like mantelpieces of those sides they're not Kevin De Bruyne for example 
um, but they're hugely integral. They want to be the Kevin De Bruyne at a slightly lower club. But they also, you know, it's, people talk keep saying that, but it's it's not like they're dropping out of, of like the Premier League. They're staying in the Premier League, staying at a bigger club than Manchester City. Let's be honest, in terms of stature worldwide, you know. Man City are on their tour. I doubt they're getting of the US. I doubt they're getting the crowd numbers um, and sort of the love from the US fans that these players are. I'm not saying that's going to be a huge deciding factor in a player's decision, but you know, it might you know make them happy to see that. Um, and also, just yeah, I I I think Zinchenko will be. He, he's an Arsenal fan. That's what I was going to say. He's an Arsenal fan. There's pictures of him in an Arsenal shirt when he's younger. I know that doesn't always mean they're definitely an Arsenal fan like I've worn. Actually, I don't really wear, but I've got friends who wear like Inter Milan kits, for example, because they look nice. Um, doesn't mean he's an Inter Milan fan. But, I mean, it's it's been said that he is a boyhood Arsenal fan. He's always supported the club. So that's another thing, you know. It will appeal to a player, and he's probably been offered more money and a better increased role in the squad. So, yeah, of course he's going to take it. Sure, absolutely. And I think it's it's funny because these signings, while they're from the same team, and they, we've seen loads of pictures with them together and stuff, so they clearly have some you know inkling of a friendship. The signings are really different from one another in terms of. Uh, the, obviously, they're both coming probably to get more game time, you know, and a, and carve out a career that's better for them as an individual. But, you know, Zinchenko, I was just giving him a goog on transfer market and 15 appearances last season. So I think Zinchenko is really looking at this and being like, man, I, I really need to get a lot more game time. This is just not good enough for my career. He'll play at least, he'll get at least 25 at least season 25 to 30 absolutely and you know zinchenko all due respect to ukraine um he's safe in the national team you know he's not going anywhere whereas jesus on the other hand might just be looking at this and saying right now i made 41 appearances and all competitions for manchester city but i wasn't the guy and this is brazil we're talking about on Brazil, your spot is never safe because they probably have the best national team in the world at the moment. And it just, it's dangerous. You know, you, you've got to be kind of the main man at a big club in order to get in to that Brazilian side, especially in the area that Gabriel Jesus plays in, man. I mean, Brazil's attack right now is the best that I've seen in a while. And but the thing about that is, from everything I've heard from Tim Stillman um, and Brazilian experts, is that that position is up for grabs. And I think Jesus needed this step in order to, you know, if he thrives at Arsenal, he will be Brazil's number nine uh, come the Qatar World Cup. Whereas when he was staying at City playing out wide, they're heavily stacked in those areas and he was, probably wasn't going to get in. Exactly. And, and, you know, he probably sees and, you know, recognizes that that number nine spot is the one that's up for grabs. And in, Man- at, in, in Manchester... They just signed Erling Holland, as we all know. Jesus is a great player, but Erling Holland is world class and is the most exciting youngster in the world, along with Mbappe. So it's just you know know your know your limits, and and I think he did, and that's why he came to us. Whereas Inchenko was just like, look, 
I'm going to get a hell of a lot more game time there. And that's, that's why I got to make this move. So I'm really excited for both of these. Alfie, I think the most attractive thing about a Manchester City player is not just the winning mentality, but it's just the fact that these guys are in such phenomenal shape. They're obviously all professional athletes, but Pep Guardiola is very much a drill sergeant and the way that he demands all of his players are physical specimens, much like Liverpool as well. This is why they're the best teams in the world, um, just because they are incredible athletes and they're tactically aware as well. So I'm technically phenomenal. Exactly. The, the whole thing that, you know, it's like going to Subway, making a player and just saying, run it through the garden. They've got everything about it, you know? So I'm, I'm super excited for both of these players. Um, I don't think Zinchenko will play a, uh, you know, huge role maybe from the start all that often this season. I think he's probably going to be on the bench quite a bit, but I think he is the kind of guy that you could take off the bench as well if you want to maybe change the match a little bit because he is so technically gifted. Um, Unfortunately, though, Alfie, with that being said, Tierney is having some serious injury problems right now. And just for one last discussion to close out the show, um, we'll talk about the Tierney-Zinchenko sort of dynamic because they are quite different players from one another. Um, are, is, does it concern you that, you know, we've got Zinchenko coming into this role of a fan favorite that is extremely injury prone? Does that maybe kind of serve as a sort of, hey, fix up, yeah, fix up, frankly, fix up your body, Tierney, because we can't be having you injured for half the season if you're Kieran Tierney, are you worried? And as a Kieran Tierney lover, like all of us, are you worried about Tierney's future? Well, I think uh, Rob did a really interesting thread about this um, on Twitter the other day. Um, I I disagree when you said uh, that you don't think Zinchenko is going to start many games. I think he'll start plenty of games, but largely because of what you've just said there, Tierney's going to be injured. And I think it's quite clear at this point that Nuno is going to go out on loan for a year and develop, which I'm not too dis uh, too unhappy about. I know I've supported uh, Tavares significantly more than most have on this podcast, um, and I just think, but uh, but I I I don't think that a loan away at someone like someone like Brighton, where he's linked with, or Marseille, um, would be the the worst. I think it'd probably be good for his development as long as he comes back and might be you know either a useful asset to sell on or someone who could step in in a year's time as a better player, all-rounded player, because he's got some great amateurs, but we know he's got a lot to improve on. Um, so I think it's clear Tavares is going to go, which means Zinchenko automatically will get loads of game time at left-back because Tierney's going to be injured. I also think he will start ahead of Tierney in certain games. As I said earlier, I think if you're playing um, you know, a game where you're going to absolutely dominate the ball, Zinchenko is much more useful in the build-up, much more technically proficient, much better passer of the ball in those deep areas and has that inverted left-back, which will allow the left eight to play more advanced, as uh, Rob said in his in his, um, in his uh, thread, that, that it will liberate the left eight, which will also, hopefully, if we bring in that left eight, um, will help um, Gabriel Martinelli significantly on that left-hand side. Um, and I just think he's going to play a lot of minutes in those sorts of games. I do think, as I said, I'd, pro- I'd rather have Kieran Tierney in games potentially against better wingers 
uh, not even just the teams, when you're looking at specifically who plays on that right-hand side for the opponent. If we're going to Anfield, for example, and you've got Mohamed Salah running at you with Trent down that side, I'd rather see Kieran Tierney starting over Zinchenko because Kieran Tierney's a much better defender. But if we're playing at home against a team that's going to sit deep, I'd rather have Zinchenko with his range of passing. So I think it's, they're probably going to share minutes. Like I actually think it will be very evenly split. And that will largely be because of Tierney's injuries. And it will also be because of Zinchenko's uh, superior technical quality, I think. So I'm not too worried for Tierney because I think he will play similar amounts to every, he's played every season because of his injuries. And I think, in a way, this will probably be a good thing for Tierney because he won't have to play games where, you know, in the previous seasons, we've absolutely burned him out. And we've, although he definitely has problems with his body, clearly, we have not protected him knowing that he's injury prone. We haven't protected him and we've pushed him. And this will allow him to sit games out much more frequently, which will mean when he is playing, hopefully we'll see more from him. We'll see the absolute best of Kieran Tierney when he does play because he won't be being pushed every week to play every single game Monday, uh, Sunday, Thursday, whatever. So yeah, I think I think this will only be a good signing for Tierney. Um, and also, it will give him more competitions. You know, when he is out, maybe he's at, will will be out of the team for periods um, if Zinchenko is really firing. I, yeah, I can only see positives about this deal, and I also think he, Zinchenko will play minutes as a left eight, particularly if we don't sign one. I think I'd rather see him there than Granite Shaka. But I see this as more of a Shaka replacement long term than a Tierney. Maybe next season he will be playing more at left. Uh, left back and maybe in the future we'll see him more in left uh, central midfield but I also think Zinchenko is sort of taking the place of Shaka as that sort of deep left-sided ball progressor um, filling in the areas where Xhaka has notoriously played under Arteta um, whereas Tierney has always been sort of a marauding overlapping left back if you get what I mean yeah absolutely um, they are much different from each other and that will give us an exciting dynamic you talking about that, Alfie, about the midfield, sorry um, to stretch it out a little, but that just made me think of one more question. Um, you were mentioning Jaka a lot there. Um, Jaka doesn't get injured. Thomas Partey does. What do you think about that? Can he slot in there as well? What was that? Clout just in the end. Ah, oh, come on. I worded it I, so I cool. heard, I heard Shaka gets injured. Uh, no, no, Shaka doesn't get injured. Sorry, Shaka doesn't get injured and Partey does. What do you think about that? Was that it? That was it, actually, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it's true. I mean, Partey, we don't know how we would cope if he is out. Um, I do think what I've thought for a while is that if Thomas Partey isn't available, obviously Elneny will play games in you know, lesser games and cup competitions in Partey's place as our number six. But when we're, you know, in the, the heat of the season, we don't want to go back to that. I do think instead of sort of finding a replacement for Partey to play that six role, you can sort of adjust it and play more of maybe a double pivot if Partey is not available and you lose a bit less. Because if you're playing, if you're going to El Elneny and then you're playing El Elneny Shaka with Shaka as the eight, creatively and ball progressively that's a word you're losing quite a lot whereas if you switch to a double pivot let's say of granite shaka and yuri tielemans if we bring him in or tielemans and um or shaka and zinchenko for, for example 
we're not losing that ball progression as much and we can have then, say, bring in Tierney on the left-hand side who can be more of an offensive threat in that system. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we'll have ways around dealing without Thomas Partey that won't rely on bringing Mohamed Elneny like we had to do at the back end of last season, which can be fine in lesser games, but in the bigger games, or a lot of Premier League games, I'd say it's a worry. Absolutely. Elneny is nothing more than a, a sort of sweeper you throw on at the end of the game to just, I say, to borify the match, really. You're just trying to see out a result. I, he, will, he will dominate games against worse opposition, like he does that. He'll come in the Europa League group stages and actually look good because he he actually plays progressive passes and he's aggressive in his passing, whereas when you bring him in the Premier League, he tends to like sort of almost hide from that responsibility. Yep, absolutely. Um, well, folks, I think we'll leave it there. Um, it was a good episode. I had a great time seeing the Arsenal in the flesh and uh, – Hopefully, you know, some more of my Floridian brothers and sisters have some fun going to see the Arsenal versus Chelsea match that's coming up. I don't know when this is going to be posted. Um, probably before that Arsenal-Chelsea match, I'd imagine, though. Probably um, tomorrow. Yeah. So that's that's coming up. Stay tuned for that. Um, I'm sure that'll be a fun time. It'll be interesting to see how we perform against Chelsea as well. Um, so that's it. That's all. That's all we got for you. Alfie, marketing opportunity of a lifetime. We love Arsenal.co.uk and check out the YouTube and that and the the, the Instagram page. We love Arsenal.co.uk. Love it. Um, my marketing opportunity of a lifetime is a double. Um, I wrote an article that Alfie uh, referred to earlier that's actually not a Fintan's Frolic. That was like the first one that wasn't one in like a year. And it's called, uh, what was it? Oh, Super Teams Bursting at the Seams. I love a rhyme. Um, I love a rhyme. I love an alliteration and an analogy. I'm... It re- reminded me of a Sumaya type. type. Uh-huh. Yep, she's my idol. We love Sumaya. She's a beast. Um, check out all of her stuff for us. She's outstanding, like all of our other writers are too. Um, but check out that piece for me first because I'm more important than them. Um, it's a great, great thing. I'm actually not being a total, total weirdo for once in my life. And I thought it was pretty good. Um, second bit of that, though. Speaking of fin- Finton's Frolic, since we're here, Alfie, it was so great to see a Nuno Slash in the flesh, man. Nuno with his crazy shots that he takes when they just go completely haywire. This thing hits the second level of the stadium. Oh, man. Absolutely beautiful. I don't know how he even kicks the ball that hard. To be totally honest with you, but he is filling that Thomas Partey void of <laughs> terrible shots. We haven't seen as many from Partey recently. Yes, one day one will fly in the top corner though. It's gonna and it's gonna yeah. be crazy. And it will be on loan at Brighton <laughs> against us. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not, it's not possible technically. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> don't don't ever fucking question me. Um, <laughs> Fun yeah, stuff. You can't man. play against your parent club, club actually. So I can't. That's uh, that's weird, but I get it. Yeah, um, sorry, I ruined your joke. Yeah, well, it's fine. Um, I've ruined it before I even started it. To be fair, so don't worry about it. That's it, um, folks. Alfie, I think you got to say something that's like rhymes with the breed a thong or something. 
Uh, we need a song, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was thinking um, we could just have <laughs> something really nice and cringy because um, we're American, baby. We are cringe. We're, we're self-aware enough to know we're cringe, too. Um, we well, got last a- time was the national anthem. Uh-huh. Which is terrible, by the way. That was the first time I've heard the U.S. Oh, national anthem. Terrible. It is terrible. I, our national anthem mentions bombs. I mean, that's basically tells you all you need to know. Um, Not guns. Maybe we'll change it. <laughs> um, I'm thinking a Flow Rider song. You know, Flow Rider. Let's. Uh, Let's play Welcome to My House. How about that? Nice and American and Florida and very on the nose, huh? Yeah. Yeah, go on. All right, cool. I was going to suggest America, fuck yeah. You know that song? America, fuck yeah. But no, we'll go with Flo Rida. Okay, maybe next time because that's that's quite Floridian sounding too. All right. All right. Well, hey, leave a review. Share it with your cool uncles. Thanks for listening, watching, whatever you did. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. Because we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home. Tell me where you been. Pour yourself something cold, baby. Cheers to this. Sometimes you gotta stay in And you know where I live Yeah, you know what we is Sometimes you gotta stay in
house. <laughs>